Cairo, Seattle. And this is Your Last Meal, a show about famous people and the stories behind the foods they love most. Today on the program, a live show. A couple of weeks ago, I got to do Your Last Meal live in front of a studio audience at Thing Art and Music Festival in a cool old theater at Fort Warden in one of my favorite cute little harbor towns in Washington State, Port Townsend. Thing had an awesome lineup of performers. Jose Gonzalez, Modest Mouse, Father John Misty, Triumph the Insult comic dog, and me and my awesome guests blues rock musician Ian Moore and John Heater, who is best known for playing Napoleon Dynamite in the film Napoleon Dynamite. We talk Tex-Mex, Japanese curry eating competitions, and of course, their last meals. All right, so let's tap into the Your Last Meal live show at ThingFest in Port Townsend, Washington. first guest on stage at Wheeler Theater is Ian Moore. He has been touring out of Austin, Texas for 30 years, put out 11 full-length albums, and toured with the Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, and ZZ Top. But when he's not touring, he lives a quiet life on Vashon Island in Washington State, which is a quick ferry ride away from Seattle, but a totally different vibe. It's a beautiful, forested, rural little island with a DIY hippie vibe. And Ian is into it. He's a beekeeper. He jars his own honey, and he loves the Asian markets in the Pacific Northwest. But like so many of us expats, he misses the food of his homeland. The food in Texas. When did you move to Vashon from Texas? A long time ago. I moved here in 1998, so I was in my 20s. One thing that I want to talk about that is close to my heart. So I moved here from California 17 years ago, and the first week I moved here, I went and got a burrito like I would do all the time in Northern California. I know where you're going. It was actually the worst burrito I've ever had. I love Seattle, but sorry. It's the worst. And this actually was the worst burrito. I haven't had one this bad before since it had a medley of frozen corn, peas, and carrots. And it tasted like cinnamon, and it was from what looked like a little taqueria, (laughs) and it was kind of just like a big F you. You're not in California anymore. So coming from Texas, I know you're a big fan of Tex-Mex, and you wrote... Tex-Mex is a very misunderstood subgenre. I was going to get to, yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, because... Tex-Mex now means often to a lot of people this kind of corny white people making Mexican food, and I get that I'm a white person. Literally corny? or Uh, That was actually a pun without intention. Where I'm from in in central Texas, I'm from Austin. People that came to Texas, they changed, the cuisine changed, so instead of corn tortillas, like, for instance, all my friends that when you get Mexican food, everybody gets corn tortillas because that's more authentic. But honestly, like if you're having Texas uh, Mexican food, you have flour tortillas, for just as an example. And beef instead of pork is what just the meat. And so fajitas came from that. And then, of course, uh, the queso, like which was like what we now call queso fundido, turned into chili con queso. And uh-huh. one of the most horrific moments of my parenting life was when my kids referred to it as cheese dip. And I thought <laughs> about beating them. I would never do that to my children. But I did have a, a fleeting thought of like... What is ha- what, what have I done? You just have to dunk them in really hot cheese to cheese dip, them. right? Yeah, chili Terrible. con queso. 
Yeah, so actually this, so this trip um, here at Thing Festival, like for real, I spent all day yesterday preparing my salsa, my refried beans, my potatoes. We've got eggs, and I'm, I'll make migas tomorrow morning oh, for so whoever's good. around. You can't find good Tex-Mex in Washington, just like I can't find a good burrito. Well, I do have to say that I have these dear friends um, because, of course, uh, Texans are, we're kind of like Australians or Germans. We find each other wherever we are. Mm-hmm. And I have a good friend of mine, Jack Timmons, that um, went oh, to yeah. my friend Aaron Franklin's barbecue, barbecue camp. Open Jack's Barbecue, and then um, another friend of mine, Graham, has now spun off and done Jackalope, and that, okay. that is a Tex-Mex thing that I'm going to go to next time I'm in town. So you haven't been yet? So I haven't been yet, okay. so I don't want to say I've, I've heard really good things about it. The way that I like to make it, I cannot get it up here, at least mm-hmm. to this point. I read that you're going to start selling salsa at your shows. Well, I did. I oh, did. you did? You already did. Do. Okay. I, did. I don't know anything about food service. Like, I live here and I fly to Austin whenever I start a tour. That's kind of insane now that I've done it for 20-something years. I get to town. I immediately go to the HEB, which is the grocery store, and I bought every jalapeno they had in the store. And, you know, if you've never done this before, it's like, how do you scale? You know, I had my little recipe for what I make. Yeah, so how do you yeah. scale it where you do 80 pounds? And so I was in the HEB with my little iPhone calculator going, okay, 80 pounds and this, this much garlic. How many? Okay. And then how many cloves are in like a bowl or a, how many? Whatever. This is a word problem. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And so anyhow, I made as much as I could possibly make, which seemed like a lot. And then I had 57 jars. I thought it was going to have like 570. I had no idea. <laughs> so I, I, I had them at the shows, and I told everybody on social media, if you come to my shows in Texas, I'm selling salsa. And then I sold out the first night. I'm sure you did. But so then I was alive. Jars. That's awesome. But it was rad. And I am going to – so I had a record um, three records ago called uh, El Sonido Nuevo, The New Sound. It's kind of a, a play on the Mighty Boosh skit. And so my salsa, just because I was cheap and I wanted to use the same uh, logo, was La Salsa Nuevo with the oh, same I picture. Oh, I love that. The new salsa. And the new salsa. Yes. Yeah. What makes your salsa special? Well... Or what's in there? What's to be there? fair, all I'm doing is just taking a salsa. So salsa has an evolution. And what happens is that it will typically starts not in California. When you said evolution, I just instantly pictured like, you know, the evolution with the monkeys and it becomes a person and yours is like a little like Tostito salsa and then it becomes salsa nuevo. I like, I like, you're good at I'll this. make your next label. <laughs> Actually, you could, but no, it, it like, so salsas will come and there'll be like a style, right? Mm-hmm. And it will percolate and you'll see it around in the, pardon me, in the taquerias and then all of a sudden it's in like grocery stores all over the country. This one is not, I mean, I put my own twist on it. I have some different stuff I put in it, but it's the new salsa. It really is. It's like you're not answering the question, Ian. What was the question? What's in your damn salsa? <laughs> oh, you want me to actually it's physically tell you what's really. in it? Yeah, lots of soul. <laughs> okay, some love and okay. a little bit of pain. Oh, Grandma, that's so sweet. No, it's it's yeah. uh, it's mostly chilies. The point is not to make it as spicy. Chilies, especially if you if you use like a serrano, has a lot of top end. Yeah, like it's a bite. It's got yeah. that. Maybe it's a sorbic acid. The salsa that I base mine off is called salsa doña, and salsa doña is grandmother salsa. Oh, okay. And so it's I kind of a grandma and Instinctively. Yeah, yeah, you really did. You nailed it. And so it's kind of a nice, it tastes so good on like eggs, breakfasty things. I made okay. mine to have more like, you know, a little bit of lime, a little bit of cilantro. Um, sometimes I'll put in like a tomatillo, but not cooked yeah. raw. Yeah. So it gives it a little bit of that kind of acidity. Yeah, acid, but not acid like a tomato. It's a different. So yeah, it's, and it's got a great bite. It's not meant to be super spicy. And that's the point. Like some, sometimes with hot sauce, it's like, how hot is it? I know. And yeah, that's not the deal. You want to burn your face off. You want to have the flavor. I want the flavor. Mm-hmm. 
this episode is different than our usual episodes. Usually I bring on other guests to talk about the science, the history, or the culture of the foods that we talk about in the episode. But since it's a special live show, I decided to play the interviews in their entirety. But I couldn't resist popping in to talk about Salsa Doña because it's a style of salsa that I had never heard of before. Salsa is ancient. It can be traced back to the Aztecs, Incas, and Mayans who crushed tomatoes, chilies, and squash seeds to make chunky sauces. This was long before the Spaniards conquered Mexico in the 1500s. So I was surprised to see that Salsa Doña seems to be a fairly new invention, at least under that name. It was created just over 20 years ago by a Mexican immigrant named Bertha Gonzalez. And Bertha lives in Austin, Texas. Bertha was living in Austin and working at a fairly new taqueria called Taco Deli when the owners had a salsa competition for the employees. So she brought her salsa in a repurposed sour cream container. And this was a salsa that she had been making since she ran a taco truck in Veracruz, Mexico. And it was nothing like the taco deli owners had ever tried before. This salsa is lime green. It is very spicy and it's creamy, despite there being no dairy in it. The recipe is simple. Roasted jalapenos, garlic, oil, lime juice and salt. But the key is to blend it up until it's super creamy. Bertha Salsa won the staff competition and eventually made its way onto the Taco Deli menu, where it remains to this day. And these days, you can buy Taco Deli Salsa Doña at some Whole Food markets. Salsa Doña has been copycatted by many restaurants in Austin. It is considered an Austin staple. And if you Google it online, all of the recipes trace back to Taco Deli. Now, earlier I said that this salsa was invented 22 years ago, and I doubt that that's true. It is such a simple combination of common ingredients. It feels like a huge stretch to say that a blended jalapeno salsa was recently invented. But Bertha introduced her recipe to Austin and definitely popularized it in the United States. Plus, she gave it a name. The word doña literally translates to madam or ma'am. And colloquially, it's a word that's used to show an older woman respect. So you'd attach it to a woman's first name. For example, Doña Bertha. When we come back, I ask Ian about his Instagram hashtag, musicians who cook nude. And of course, he reveals his last meal. I was combing through your Instagram and you do have a lot of food posts kind of intermittently spread out. And the thing I noticed was you have a hashtag, musicians who cook nude. Oh, I, I did? didn't see any... <laughs> I uh, hate... Ha- no, wait, wait, wait. What? I hate hashtags. <laughs> hashtags to me, I feel like such an ass when I do a hashtag. Mm-hmm. It just is the thing that I can't quite wrap my head around. I know it's important, so I come up with the most ridiculous... Okay. Well, I was, so you don't cook naked. Well, I have. Okay. I mean, it's happened. All right. I mean, who hasn't cooked naked, right? So do you have to put that on the back? of the jar if you're selling the salsa at your shows like just in case to put a warning if, if you think it's important I would consider putting it on I the back so. of the jar I would say making salsa is probably one of the worst things to make if you're naked just for the idea I don't know if you've ever like you know yes I already know what you're going to say you yes. your eye yes your, your eye. eye exactly yeah. yes when you, you rub your, your eye eyes. it's terrible yeah you gotta be real careful with you that. gotta you know I'll, I'll tell you one thing uh, just to cut to the chase I wash my hands twice before going to the bathroom oh before 
Oh, before. Before. Yeah, Yeah, before. (laughs) Another thing Ian posts on Instagram are pictures of his groceries on the conveyor belt at Wajamaya, a huge, wonderful Asian grocery store. And I love that because I love seeing what other people Uh, are putting in their carts. I love seeing what's on their belt because sometimes it's such a mystery. You see these mismatched ingredients and it's like, This is like one of my secret, like not fantasy. Fantasy is such a weird word because when you say it, people automatically assume there's a sexual connotation. I always use it as like the thing that I really think is cool. Yeah. I love going into people's houses and opening their refrigerator. Dude. Yeah. Let dude. Me touch your dude. This is yeah, my for real. Me too. Ever. Me yes. too. I used to have, it was a very short lived column for the stranger uh, where I would go to celebrities' houses and look in their fridges. And it was the most fun boy ever. How did we not know each other before this? I, I literally know. was going to do a coffee table book called Making Coffee in Strangers' Homes. Because it's like when you're on tour, I'm not like a huge partier, but in my 20s, right? You're, you're hanging out with your friends, you're in a band, they have a straight job, so they want to go out and so you drink too much long story short <laughs> i'm just saying i don't do this anymore <laughs> this is how you might, if you works, see me everyone. this weekend it's an exception i'm under a lot of pressure <laughs> um so you're in it you're in your friend's home you have to drive eight million hours the next morning they've left and they're like no 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 just make coffee in the morning and, and lock the door on your way out and then you're going where the hell are the coffee filters yeah and and then and then you finally call them and they're like oh no they're above the toilet and you're like who puts coffee filters <laughs> above the toilet yeah so making coffee in strangers home is going to be a book on touring and trying to eat on the road oh i like this have you ever used like someone's pair of underwear as a filter instead or something when you're just really digging around? clean ones <laughs> clean one because it seems like it would work i was going to make a really dirty joke i'm not going to do that because i don't really know there could be kids and, and I, I get there in trouble my wife gets see. mad at me um no i mean you know of course i've done a million things of like oh that will support coffee who has so your book is the combination of my old column and then jerry seinfeld show getting coffee and cars with exactly comedians. Yeah. yeah 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 and i think it's a i mean I love, I love being at people's homes. One of my favorite things that we were just in Italy, uh, Julie and I had a fantastic time, three weeks, and my friend's wife, Italian, says, I'm sick of Italian food. I said, I'm making you migas. And then we ended up going to 20 grocery stores. I ended up buying an African bean. Um, it was crazy. An African bean? Uh, like, like a pinto bean. It was okay. a, I just couldn't find, you know, you're in this place and you're in this, I mean, Sicily, one yeah. of the best food places in the world. One thing I learned about Italians is they eat Italian food every day all they the really time. They really do. I'm yeah. an American. I like to think I'm sophisticated, but honestly, I love the variation of the American diet. I yeah. love that you can go and you can have, you know, Nepalese food and then you can go have, you know, Mexican food and different yeah. types. When you're in Italy and you want anything other than Italian food, you're kind of screwed. Well, that's kind of the thing when you travel abroad and people try to tell you like, "Oh, this is what American food." And it's like, "You don't No, no, no. We're not a hamburger and hot dog people." Like no. it comes up, no. but it is every I've become very defensive about this as American. I'm like, yeah. I feel like the rest of the world kind of doesn't realize how cool we are. There's we're no cool such thing food. as American. We're cool. Food. We're so we, cool. No, yeah. because we because we really do welcome all the different types of food. And, and honestly, like, you know, I mean, it is true that the best Indian food is in London. But some of the best Indian food is in the northwest of the United States. I mean, there's really good food here. Yeah. And the more that you travel, the more you realize we're really lucky. I like that you make tangents like I do. I'm going to go all the way back around, but I love what just happened. So we're back to the conveyor belt at Awajamaya. Yes. And we're seeing all of your rice noodles and stuff. Just going back to your Vietnamese cooking. Yes. You started cooking Vietnamese food when you were a teenager? I was like probably 
Well, you know what happened was I think I was allergic to wheat. Nobody was talking about that back then. And yeah. I would just be like at my friend's house eating pancakes. Like, oh, I don't feel good. So I started cooking like first Chinese food, which was pretty funny at 12 and 13. Trying to do that, trying to do anything at 12 and 13 is funny. And then I kind of evolved into like Vietnamese and Korean food. And um, I've kind of stayed in those. Those are still like probably my favorite foods to cook. Nice. Yeah. Okay. We have to ask you the big question. Yes. What very stressful. Your, are you stressed? Are you Not nervous? anymore. Okay, I'm good. over it. What would your last meal be? You could have asked me about anything. This was like a really, like I literally laid in bed and I couldn't sleep. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. No, oh. because I mean, I get one meal. Can I say a few and then get to the one or yes, do I only get to Okay, yeah. there's no rule. Take your journey. Okay. I thought simple because honestly, when I moved up to Washington, one of the ones I thought I love, like a really amazing apple with like freshly mm. ground peanut butter. So like an oh, opal, like yes. a great apple. I love that. It's one Have of my you favorite had the Cosmic Crisp yet? Oh, girl. It's the best. Have you guys had the Cosmic Crisp? It really is. Well, so you know, good. when you come from other places and you move to Washington, it's like an apple renaissance. When I lived in Texas, I literally stopped eating Red Delicious and I, I would eat Granny Smith because they weren't just mealy and disgusting. Yeah. And then I moved up here and I was like, oh, wow, there's options. So I thought that. Okay. And then I thought like Oaxacan mole, which is fantastic. So from the most simple to the most complicated. Complex. It takes yeah. like, I mean, I make mole. I don't do it anymore because I don't have enough time. It like takes three days or mm-hmm. something. Can I go into like a slight, uh, what, it, what would this, uh, a slight rant? <laughs> I, I'm tired of food being defined through European eyes. I really think it's unfair to the rest of the world. And I think it's kind of racist at its core because all these food, Indian food, Vietnamese food, all these things have been being made in various forms for hundreds and thousands of years. Yeah. And yet we go through the French lens and we define it. And I'm not a professional chef. I eat a lot. I like to eat. I think that it's unfair. I think Vietnamese food is the most sophisticated flavor palette of any food in the world. That's what I think. I traveled um, to Vietnam, and I always say that was one of the best cuisines I've ever had. I mean, I've had it here, but just traveling and eating it there, oh, there God, was no yeah. bad meal. No, it's insane. So um, to me, it's like I think about it like the mix of a record. Like when you have a great mix engineer, they get their low end right, they get their mids right, and the top end right. Vietnamese food to me has this sophisticated, dimensional flavor palette. Mm-hmm. My favorite food in the world is Bun Tit Yung Cha Giao, which is... This uh, is your last meal. Yes, this is it. It's happening. This is it. This is my last meal. I just was kind of like, honestly, like it is the best meal in the world to me when it's made right. And that's the uh, vermicelli bowls Mm -hmm. with uh, grilled pork and chagya, which are the Vietnamese egg rolls, which are insane. They're so much better than um, any other kind of egg roll. Do you like it with just the pork or do you like shrimp in there too? Well, actually, I like the sugarcane shrimp. Sugarcane shrimp. Isn't that your porn name too? (laughs) No, it's not sugarcane shrimp. No. I'm so sorry. It's a children's show, you said? There's no, but I'm, I'm just offended that you used the word shrimp in reference oh. to my porn name. <laughs> I didn't I don't think care about, about the kids anymore. I'm Sugar just trying to defend prawn. my... Prawn might be better. <laughs> I really don't know. You know, Sugar honestly... Sugar cane whale. <laughs> you're going here. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just. I am just a passive observer at <laughs> this part of the podcast. I'm not really doing anything other than just kind of being here and yeah. being no, graceful. Just relaxing. While, yes, I'm not. While I make a fool out of myself. No, not out of yourself. But if I were to answer that, it would be very bad. So That's I'm just. True. Going to... <laughs> okay, so this boon, and you hear it just being called boon yes. in restaurants sometimes. So talk about the components. You have the noodles, which are cold. The noodles are cold. Yeah. Yes, they're kind of a thin rice noodle. We make it at the house all the time. Uh, you know, lettuce chopped up. 
and then kind of like an herb mixture where you'd use like mint and or cilantro. Sometimes we'll put in Thai basil. So things to give kind of like a, a minty Herbaceous. Bit. The pork is insane. If you, if you guys haven't had it, you marinate it. You make a, a sugar um, water thing where you cook it down and it starts to caramelize. Right. So then you marinate that with lemongrass and shallots, white pepper. Mm. It's just amazing. So good. And if you have the time, you cook that over a charcoal fire. Oftentimes, we'll do it over the grill because we just don't have the time. But when you do it over the charcoal, it gives it that kind of burnt thing that's so yummy. Sometimes uh, the deep-fried shallots. Oh, that's my favorite. And then here's the thing. It's the nak cham that does it, right? And when you get a great nak cham, the nak cham is vinegar, uh, fish sauce, Thai chilies, a little bit of garlic, a little bit of sugar, and lime. And it's Mm, just... So good. Fantastic. When you make the fried shallots, I've learned to save the oil that you cook them in because the oil smells and tastes so good. And then I'll just like saute vegetables in it. Why do we not have a kitchen? Like I'm starving. I know. I could talk to you all day, but my body clock is maybe telling me that it's time to move on. But before I let you, I want you to talk about Smash a little bit. Yeah, I'd love to talk about Smash. So So Ian started, he's the president and co-founder of Smash. You can tell him what the acronym is and explain what it is. Yeah, Seattle Musicians Access to Sustainable Healthcare. Again, I tour out of Austin. Austin has been ahead of this curve. Um, We've had services for musicians, uh, both for healthcare and Black Fret grants and for mental health support in Austin for about 20 years. I brought it up to Seattle thinking that Seattle's so progressive. Of course, we're going to have all this stuff. I was amazed that there were no services. So anyhow, we started it. We provide musicians access to preventative health care, dentistry, which is a huge thing because a lot of people that do have coverage don't have dentistry, vision, mental health support. Uh, We just uh, started um, the 27 Club to stop uh, overdoses Mm -hmm. and try to destigmatize having like Narcam and clubs. I've been doing this for a long time. I've lost a lot of really good friends of mine. My uh, old bass player just died a year ago of oh, alcoholism. I'm so sorry. Um, for a long time, I wanted to fight the stereotype that it's a hard life because I, I didn't want to be like, oh, woe is me, woe is us, because it's a fantastic life. Yeah. But a lot of people that live this life die young, and a lot of people have health concerns that they don't take care of, and... We have to change the culture, and I think there's been a bit of a disconnect in Seattle, especially between the business sector and the creative sector, and so trying to get these people to realize that this town is fantastic for a lot of reasons, one of which is music, and we need to keep the ecosystem healthy. Yeah. Where can people see you play? I'm actually going on tour in a week. That's what's funny about my life. I play here once or twice a year in Seattle. I'm literally touring until December. Nice. Yeah. Well, go see Ian on tour. Yes. I'm Look him up. Me. Buy his music. That's how you support Buy musicians. Yeah. Buy his salsa. I yeah. want to buy your salsa, too. Do you have some here? No. no. I have, well, I do. No. I actually do have it here, oh, but okay. just one jar. Yeah, just one jar. Yeah. All right, everybody. Give it up for Ian Moore. Thank Thanks, you y'all. so much. Thank you. It's super fun. Yes. Thank awesome. you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye. One more time for Ian Moore. We have one more break to take, but when we come back, actor John Heater talks about his love for tots and what eating was like on the set of Napoleon Dynamite. John Heater, an actor best known for his role as Napoleon Dynamite in the film 
Napoleon Dynamite. He's also done many other films, including The Benchwarmers, Blades of Glory. He's done a bunch of voice work for animated TV shows. He is also an artist. IMDb says he drew all the drawings in Napoleon Dynamite, except the unicorn. Please welcome John Heater. Hello. 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 Thanks, guys. So why didn't you draw the unicorn? I would have, but they didn't tell me. Like, it was it was never a contract thing. It was just kind of like, <laughs> I showed up and they had already drawn it. I was like, you guys. And nowadays, that would be in my writer where I would like... I will draw the fit. unicorn. Yeah. 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 And, and probably get posted on social media, don't work with this guy. Never again. Yeah. yeah, so talk about the film a little bit. It's really interesting to read the behind the scenes that it was a really small. You guys all did a lot of parts. Besides acting in the film and drawing all of the pictures, was there anything else that you did that people might not know about? For those who have seen it, there's boondoggle keychains that the uh, character Deb yeah. is giving out to everyone when they're like, you know, the vote for Pedro thing, yeah. all these boondoggles. And we had to have a bunch when he's passing them out. And I literally remember from scout camp how to make those so <sighs> in between shooting scenes i'd be in the corner just like your little right, lanyard. You guys, I got this. <laughs> and, and i would teach some of the other crew people how to yeah. you know, make some so yeah I, that was my handiwork as well do you know how to make friendship bracelets like you uh, have at camp it's probably the same kind of some of the same patterns uh-huh. yeah I, I used to do some of those but only when i had friends and that was very rare Mm, so sad. This is a sad show. You have a twin, and also the actor that plays Pedro in the film has a twin. Both identical. Both identical twins. Yes. yes. I was wondering, when you were a kid, or even as an adult, have you ever taken advantage of doing any pranking? As a kid, yes. Up until about grade six, yes. There was, it was easier because we were really identical. Yeah. You know, life hadn't hit us in the gut yet. <laughs> so, you know, everything we did, and we sound the same, and our teachers were kind of clueless enough that we could get away. Were you in the same Uh, class? No, we were always in different classes. So, I mean, the best, the most extravagant one that we pulled off was sixth grade and we switched for like an entire day, different Mm -hmm. teachers, but his teacher was like totally clued and he knew it. So it was kind of weird. I'm hanging out in his class and all the students are like, (laughs) we we get it. We get it (laughs) until my teacher, they're all laughing and she's sitting there with this look of like, you little turkey. (laughs) And she was a great sport, but uh, I think it it gave it away when they had a pop quiz and my brother was not prepared Mm. because he had not been studying the same thing. They probably did it on purpose just to catch you. Yeah. So there's a lot of food in Napoleon Dynamite. Um, The opening credits, which is amazing. The tots, the quesadillas, all of that. How has this impacted your life post-film? Are people like, here's something from the gentleman down the bar, and they just slide down like a little container of tots for you? Or sometimes it's milk, and he's like, hey, where where was the cow? Can you check it out? (laughs) Let me know where this cow was. Yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, tots was going into the movie. Everything really was... As you see, I was like, oh, I relate to this character. I love tots. Mm -hmm. But now when I go to a restaurant and like if I'm with either friends or even the people who work there and if they recognize, it's like... Um, I can't get them. Give me no, no. I, oh, I'm like, yeah. Give me some tots, but you, see, you know, <laughs> and because I'm like, I can't say no to the tots. They're they're awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're so really good. good. Yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> give up certain pleasures. Okay. No, you shouldn't have um, to. But the craft services on the film was interesting because we shot it in Preston, Idaho, a real small town. Yeah. And they only had like two restaurants, and the first restaurant didn't work out. 
So then we just got catering from this Mexican restaurant. Every meal, every meal is exact same. And so you're loving the experience is amazing. Yeah. So you're not really complaining, but you're there's just like, all right, let's put a beans and rice. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, what am I going to put in the tortilla today? This is my first film. So I don't even yeah. know if they had like a craft service table. They must have, but it was probably like chips. That's how or they maybe craft singles. Crew. They took it totally craft literal. I, yeah. I would not be surprised if there's craft singles. Yeah. <laughs> the first wedding I went to of someone my age, they got married way earlier than everybody else. I think yeah. they were like 21 and oh my God, that was the worst food they had a charcuterie board but it was craft singles still in the plastic lined up it would be complete with craft singles and slim jims oh they should have had slim yeah, jims it was like turkey meat. from safeway and it's, it's the dried they, they they sell it by saying we've got dried meat it's like a prosciutto <laughs> yes and you could wrap the craft single can i tell you okay i'm gonna tell you this this is one of my deepest, darkest food secrets. I don't really buy Kraft Singles as an adult, but if I can get my hands on one, I eat it the exact same way as I did when I was a kid. Just plain? Just plain. Just plain. I fold yeah. it up into pieces, and then I swallow it without chewing because I like the way it feels sliding down my throat. <laughs> so there's no, like, pre-saliva lubing before? No mastication. Okay. <laughs> well, like, maybe I okay. provide, it's like a water slide, you know, like a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. It goes right yeah. Down. Uh, What does that look like when you're, are you like, oh, oh, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like You've seen okay. me do it. Yeah, that's All right. exactly what I it mean, looked I, like. I, I remember the love of them when I was a kid as yeah. well, but you're just like kind of savoring the corner. You work on the corners first and you work Oh, you started with the corners. Yeah. See, everyone has a technique. Yeah. Yours is different than mine. Yeah. Um, you were in a rom-com. Was it last year? Funny thing about love? Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, and it was centered around Thanksgiving. So I was wondering, does your family have any holiday food traditions that are maybe a little bit out of the norm? Uh, come Christmas time, my dad, and I don't remember how it started, but it was probably like 15 years ago where our Christmas Eve dinner was, it was a salmon pasta, creamy salmon pasta, and it was delicious. But I don't know what tradition or which country from. or like hmm. why Christmas, but it just got ingrained in us. So like my wife and I picked up the same tradition and like you Christmas Eve, we still do it. I love, love that. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention John lives in Washington now. Yay. We have you now. He's here. He lives in Washington. That's really why I'm here. Yeah. I mean, it was just right down the road. And I Almost. saw you live in, um, I won't reveal your exact location, but you live in Southwest Washington, which yeah. I thought was a great decision because up north in the Northwest of Washington, we already have our collection of nineties grunge musicians. Yeah. And so I thought that was a really good distribution to bring like a little more fame yeah. to the bottom of the oh, state. Oh, I thought you so were calling you. me grunge for a second. No, 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 yeah. you're no, not. No, cool. I'll take it. I still wear a lot of plaid. <laughs> you are kind of wearing plaid now, but it's yeah. not flannel plaid. No. So yeah. Well, I've got, I left it at home. It's still the summer here. Okay. Oh, Okay. Why did you move to Washington? Uh, I grew up in Oregon and okay. uh, I wanted to be back. I love the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I was getting sick of the heat in LA. I wanted to see deers and bears. Oh, and uh, have you? I literally, when we went house hunting the first day looking at the house that we ended up buying, we saw a fox, uh, a coyote. Uh, there was... I mean, obviously, eagles you can see around, but still, like, you don't see it in your backyard in California. Yeah. Um, And it was all in our backyard. And we're like, oh, is that a good sign or not? Do they come with the house? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then yesterday, someone said they saw a mountain lion just walking down the side street. 
in your neighborhood. Yeah. You might have been doing this before you lived here, but you're a backpacker. Yeah. And I saw that you were dehydrating your own backpacking meals, which is really impressive. Oh, Um, yeah. What are some of the meals that you make yourself when you go backpacking? Yeah, we backpack a lot, me and my brothers and family. And, you know, it was always kind of like the mountain house. It's just the easiest. Just get these pre-made ones. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to get a dehydrator. Yeah. I'm going to do my dad proud because we grew up and my dad was always like hardcore scoutmaster. He'd make the gourmet meals where all the kids were stuck to making dinty more stew uh-huh. and Uncle Ben's minute rice, you know. So yeah. my favorite sometimes is just grabbing my wife's a great cook. If I can find some leftovers, then I'll just dry oh. the leftovers. Oh, that's so interesting. But it doesn't work very well with Indian food. I'll tell you, anything with a lot of butter does not dehydrate okay. well. And what does it turn into? It's still the same. It's oh, like, it doesn't dehydrate? Not really. Oh. I mean, it's still greasy, and you're like sliding it into Ugh. the bag. You're like, ah, I'll eat this the first night. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like, oh, curry, um, this Thai curry rice, awesome. But... Two years in a row, my kids here, and they'll attest to this, that I was like, okay, we're doing this chicken coconut curry rice. Both times I made it, and then I bring my little you know, container of uh, the soy sauce, yeah. and I just throw, dump the soy sauce, thinking, this is just a little bit. And they're like, no, you've ruined it again, Dad. Oh. Way too much soy sauce. God, like, don't do that again. Ruined it. Yeah. I'm impressed. I've been wanting to try to make my own backpacking food, but I don't have the dehydrator yet. Despite that, you know, remember like watching the infomercials with Ron Popeil in the <laughs> 90s? Like, I really wanted one. They're then. easy. They're great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you just put it in the corner and you just You just watch away. it dry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It takes forever. So, Jerky takes forever. It does? Yeah. It's Most easy. meats. Yeah. On the infomercial, it took three seconds. No, no. no. That might be a freeze dryer or a sci-fi movie or editing yeah yeah i didn't know about that then you and i have something in common we both lived in japan oh Um, yeah yeah you lived there two years yeah i was there for one in kanazawa uh so i was excited to read uh about your love for japanese food so will you explain the curry challenge in japan that's something i actually never heard of before so if you go to any curry house where they just specialize in curry and you know they have them everywhere but it's almost like even if it's a different chain they all provide the curry challenge it's a food eating challenge. You got to eat 1,300 grams of rice and curry in under okay. 20 minutes, and you get your meal comped. A picture put on their board. And I was like, that would be rad because, yeah. you know, I could be one of the only white people <laughs> who, uh, uh, or gaijin, as they call it, yes. the foreigners up on the board. But it took me three times to. Do it three different trips. The first time I dug in right away, I got the normal spice level, which over there is really spicy. Okay. So that was just... It It was too much. Too much. I was just like, oh, this burning and everything. So I couldn't do it. When you said go back, do you mean like you left the country and came back? No, no. Like during the the time I lived there, it'd be like maybe a couple months in between or something like that. And I go like, oh, we got to do the curry challenge again. I'm going to get it this time. Second time... I had like basically this much left. Uh, it's like, you know, three heaping spoonfuls left. And I just, I couldn't. Who's remember. timing you? Do uh, they stand by the table and it's like tick, 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 tick. Yeah. Tick, other, tick. other friends I was with. Okay. People who were there. So it was the trust system. Like the restaurant doesn't send somebody Well, over. they do. They know they, they give it to you and I guess they time it. But the funny thing is, is there was another time I was with a friend of mine who had never done it. And it was before I was leaving. I was like, you got to do the curry challenge. And he's like kind of a bigger guy. I was like, you, you got this. And he goes and he's eating it. And, you know, he's working on it. I'm coaching him the whole way. We're more like, 
You could do it. You could do it. You got a little, add a he little cold water. He needs the cheese method. Just swallow. No, it was. It's like yeah. you have to kind of add water to it to let it go yeah. down quicker. Like the hot dog challenge. And he was getting close and getting close. I mean, he's probably had about the same amount left. And all of a sudden, he, not to get too gross, but he's just like, oh, oh no. Oh. And he goes, Bleh. and just, no. uh, just a little spit up. Oh. A little spit up. But it was technically a little bit of throw up. Yeah. And I was like, as soon as that happens, like you're disqualified. <laughs> well, this particular curry house, we're very forgiving. Oh. And the people came in, they saw, and they just quickly, very silently, Never it's like ninjas. It was just like, they cleaned yeah. it up. They came back with a plate that looked like it had curry on it, but it had been cleared off so that they could take a picture with him in the empty plate. And oh. I was thinking, rip off. No, 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 no. I paid the yeah. price three times to get my picture. And this guy threw up. He, he failed. <laughs> and I was, I was ticked. But then the best part is they gave him like this bag. That's like an umbrella bag. It's long and skinny. I don't know why. And they handed it to him because he, he was looking still a little green. Is this like, like a, if you're going to spew, spew in this Yeah, moment? but he had already thrown it. But then he's like, oh, it's okay. I got the picture. <laughs> he picks up the bag, holds it up to his mouth, and silently, without a sound, just goes, and filled the entire bag with, it was still That's there at so the top. And I was like, well, now you're, I'm trying to <laughs> yeah, rip up this rip Polaroid, and I'm the, the Polaroids don't the rip very well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. One more question on that, though. How much is 1,300 grams? Like, what does that look like I on know. Plate? Over there, I was like, I mean, it's a lot. It's like, yeah. it's probably like, I mean, you know, oh, is it three, three pounds? pounds? Thank you. Three pounds. Oh. That's impressive, right? Yeah, three pounds. Three pounds of rice, not including the curry. So then they put the curry on top. Oh. So it's thirteen hundred grams of rice, and that's the hardest part. Yeah. By the third time, I was like, lowest level spice level. I've got my cup of water, and then she bring a immersion blender, and then just drink it. All this talk got me thinking. I think they have a pie eating contest at this. Oh, are you going to enter? Well, I don't know, but I'm like, I did that. My kids are like, you should do it. I'm I like, think you should do it, too. I don't need a spew, okay? <laughs> I'll leave you a very win. long, skinny bag. Yeah, just give me the long bag. <laughs> yeah. And I'm ready. I want to choose the shape of my barf bag. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do it like a balloon animal. Have That's different shapes thinking. so when you fill it up. Yes. When you f- it looks weird, but when you fill it up, it creates like a pony or something oh, like that. Oh, that would be so give cute. Give it to a kid. It's heavy. <laughs> Don't open it. Whatever you do, just keep that it's wrapped up It's a pinata for later. <laughs> hey, hang it up. Yeah. It's got all kinds of colors got in it. got a million dollar idea right here. Yeah. What is your last meal? What is or what was my last meal? Oh, what is? What, what is, is your my last, last meal? meal? I love Japanese food. I love a lot of different Asian foods. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, I love a good Korean barbecue and it would probably be Korean short ribs Okay. with a Stack of rice with the, that really good macaroni salad. Yes. And just with all covered the obachans. And everything, obachans yeah. and everything covered in kimchi. I love kimchi. Oh, that's right. Yeah. When you say everything covered, do you take the bowl and you just like flip if it over? If they have the it as table? an obachan, I'd be like, just keep that coming. Yeah. If I have, at my home, I open up the lid and my kids scatter because it just stinks <laughs> up the whole house. Food. They yeah. hate it. I'm like, it's mine, you guys. That's they good. Literally, they see me bring out the giant Costco thing of kimchi. They're like, I'm eating my lunch upstairs. This is your key to having alone time, though. It, you I know? mean, yeah, that's what I do. And so, yeah, I'll pile it on whatever, any Asian country, I'm putting that kimchi You're on. putting it on. Is there any other significance to this meal being your last besides that it's just delicious? It's just delicious. It's just but, good. You know, it gets me... Yeah, there probably could be more sentimental reasons for other meals, but this one is like... Make something up. It makes me rest well. If it's my last meal, I'm like, oh, I'll die happy with this 
belly full of rice. Fermented cabbage. Fermented, yes. Yeah. All those, uh, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite things that you'd mentioned is that you're a real dad when it comes to eating because I also, like, now people, they write their pronouns. It's like she, her, he, him. My pronouns are dad slash papa because <laughs> I'm like you. I, like to eat leftovers. Uh, and I really like tinned fish, which was something my dad always ate. Like tin fish? tinned fish, like stinky, like sardines. Oh, and, oh you're making a face at me. He well, just, I mean, dads that's... don't shame dads. Come on. I don't know. I'm not trying to shame. I'm like, I feel like that's a venture that I have yet to explore. Oh. You got Are many you, more. You say you like left. that? Love it. When I go hiking, I like to bring a little tin of smoked oysters as a part of like cheese and crackers and olives. I love oysters, but anything in a tin scares me a little bit. But I'm Don't not saying no. Okay. But what's the best kind of tin fish you would recommend? Or I like brand? the oysters. Best. Oh, yeah, but they're not cooked, right? Or are they? They are. Okay. I think they have to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah when probably. they get smoked. But what is your feelings on leftovers? You. And I love it. It's like when people say, what do you have for lunch? It's like whatever we had the night before. Because the kids, unfortunately, don't like the leftovers as much. It's good. Like, again, my wife cooks well. Yeah. So it's just like, ooh, more of the same. And I I just hate wasting. It's that. It is that kind of dad vibe. And I'm blessed that I love the leftovers as well because, oh, good, I'm not wasting. Yeah. Do you have a cutoff, like, at a certain day? Because sometimes if I eat something too many days in a row, I can't ever look at it again. Ooh. Is this bad if I say no more than a week? If it's less yeah. than a week... You're in. Uh, maybe give or take, maybe a few days shy. So, like, five days. Okay. If it's got meat in it, maybe a little bit less. But I'm pretty forgiving because I don't know if I have an iron stomach but I never you didn't get... barf when you eat the curry I think no I never I never get like you know food poisoning or I knock on you know I'm oh that is wood good that's a hollow wood so it's a hollow promise it just made me. <laughs> um so, yeah, here we cut to eating the pies and we'll... <laughs> like how old are these pies <laughs> oh sorry they're eight days yeah. old just this over is your pre-covid head. sorry <laughs> What kind of pie do you think is the best for a pie eating contest? Probably just quiche, right? The Costco quiche size. Oh, and the like baby quiches. Yeah, yes. Right? I oh. mean, <laughs> those are delicious. Those are so good. Yeah. Uh, my memory with those was I was maybe my freshman or sophomore year of college. And I was talking on the phone with my mom. This was the moment in my life when I realized that food could be passe. I never knew that it could be like, oh, that's not in style anymore to eat yeah, that. Yeah. My mom was having people over and she was like, I don't know what to make. And I said, you got to make the Costco baby quiche. Those are so dope and my mom was like those are so 80s i would never and that was when i learned yeah those were in the 80s we were eating them in the 80s but yeah baby quiche the baby ones yeah the frozen ones that's when i learned like oh food goes out of style yeah yeah Yeah. it does Mm -hmm. gardetto chips those are those are still good i grew up on are they still good okay i think so i i ate my limit in high school i can't do gardettos anymore Oh, so no Gardetto's eating competition for you. No, no, but pie. Mm. Does anyone have a question? We could do a quick question, I think. Does anyone have a question for John? The question was about a much-quoted scene from Napoleon Dynamite. What was Tina the Llama eating when Napoleon went out to feed her? So in this scene, Napoleon is holding a casserole dish, and he is trying to feed the llama with a big serving spoon, but she doesn't want to eat. So it's that casserole dish, supposed to be like a casserole. But of course, you know, in the film, like in real life, we just had hamburger helper without the hamburger and sprinkled it with like breadcrumbs. So from afar, it looked like something. In the script, the llama just says, Tina eats the food. (laughs) But then she wouldn't eat the food. 
And I'm sitting there like, come on, eat it. That's when, that was one of the only lines that was kind of ad-libbed because I was like, just eat it. I was just like, it's not eating the food. That was, was improvised. A little, yeah, because like, so it was just like, it wouldn't eat the food. So <laughs> I couldn't blame it. It was hard because I was acting, but I was just like, I'm so sorry. I know you don't want to eat this. Nobody wants to eat this. <laughs> Didn't, and that llama in real life, its name was Dolly, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty good name for Dolly a llama. llama. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, well, gotta, good laugh, everyone. Give them, a few, Real. give them a few seconds. I've never heard so many people laugh like that at the same time. No, I think I got, saw a couple boos. Yeah. <laughs> hey, sure. it wasn't my llama. It was, it was their llama. They, yeah. yeah. Round of applause for John Eater. Thank, Thank you, guys. So much. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was Ian Moore and John Heater's Last Meals. Ian Moore is on tour now. You can find a link in the show notes to see if he's coming to a city near you. You can also find a link to John Heater's Instagram page where you can see his art and everything else that he's up to. Big huge thanks to Thing Festival for having me. Thanks to festival creator Adam Zacks for inviting me and SCG's Amy Gentry for booking the guests. It was such a fun day. I couldn't have asked for better guests. Every single person I interacted with at this festival was warm and lovely and funny. And I'm not even a festival person. I describe Thing as a festival for people who don't love festivals. It's super chill. There's lots of space to move around. There's really good music and art and just good vibes all around. So next summer, make sure and check out Thing. This episode was produced by me and Laura Scott, theme music by Prom Queen. To see photos of Ian and John and me doing the live show, go to my Instagram page. Hello, Rachel Bell. Maybe this will motivate you. When I texted a few pictures to my mom, she replied, Cool, Rachel Bell. You and those cute guys. Peace sign emoji. Mermaid emoji. For cute guys, go to Hello Rachel Bell on Instagram. And if you like the show, the best gift that you can give us is to share it with a friend and leave a review. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is your last meal. A live show. 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 Oh my God. A live show.